If something's free, why would you turn it down? I mean, a free haircut from a five-year-old. <laughs> oh, no. Or a free sample of onion paste. Oh. <clears throat> well, then, how about a free tour of your neighbour's new shed? Oh, sounds, well... Mm. OK, look, they were bad examples. But how about a free eye test and free glasses from the 69-year-old range of Specsavers with your PRSI? Well, that sounds like something to smile about. Book an appointment or find out more at specsavers.ie. Hello there everyone, Michael Lester here and I'm actually sitting today, would you believe, in an RTE studio because when I started off in this organisation some 42 or 3 years ago, one of the first people that I actually met in RTE, apart from some colleagues in the sports department, was the man sitting opposite me right now, Ronan Collins, because I used to do some of the sports bulletins into Ronan's show. Obviously, for the last couple of years, I'm out the door, but I'm happy to say Ronan is still very much involved. And of course, obviously, his daily uh, lunchtime programme, very, very popular on RTE Radio 1. Ronan, it's great to see you. Lovely You're to looking see you, fantastic, Michael. as they say. Um, how are you feeling? How's great. the health? Yeah, very good, very good. Had a few uh, mobility setbacks in the last nine months or so. Just um, had a problem with my foot and... Uh, it just knocked me for six, mm. but um, something else that wasn't going to kill me. Sure, you know? yeah. Well, that's always good, I guess, yeah. in the long term. Do you know what? We'll come back to that topic in a, in a moment. But first of all, let me take you back to your beginnings, because your beginnings weren't actually in broadcasting, of course. You were in the show band scene before that. Yeah, well, I, I like to think I was a musician. And, and after all these years, I like to think I'm still a musician, you know, um, because it's, it's where I had... It's where I forged great friendships. Um, it's where my heart was. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I love music. I love my involvement still in music. I love exploring music. But there was never been any substitute for playing, yeah. actually playing. And I loved it um, from my late teens and into my uh, mid-twenties. I played in a band called The Others who were a Southside band. I'm from Dublin's Northside. So they introduced me to the delights of the Southside, which were many. And uh, we had great fun and we were great friends, particularly uh, Michael Carwood. Uh, Mick was a, a, a journalist and a sport, assistant sports editor in the Sunday press at the time. And he loved that job. And he was always late for gigs on a Saturday night because he had these expressions. Oh, no, we had to... We had problems with the plate, so I couldn't get here. Um, we thought we'd get the paper to bed earlier. All these yeah. expressions. And I used to say, Mick, it's the music. Don't forget about that journalistic lark, you know. But he loved it. And he loved the music. And we we were great, great friends. Mick is gone. Mm -hmm. Mick is gone uh, 20 uh, 20 years ago, next October, and, and I still miss him dreadfully because he's the one that I, I think about most who drew me out. You know, I was in the band as a drummer and I was never a great drummer. I was a good, good dance band pop drummer, you know. I, but saw, I, you, sing. I saw you play a couple of times. The one thing I would say about Roland Collins is I disagree with you, but not being a good drummer. You had a great belt of the drums. You were <laughs> really a good hard hitter. Yeah, yeah, I was. I could be heard. All right. And uh, but I loved it. You know, I absolutely loved it. And um, 
make encourage me to sing. Um, I was probably a better singer than I was a drummer, but uh, the combination of both was great and a great asset. And that led me on to to a job then with Dickie in 76, I think it was. And that yeah, was my rock. foray into the show bands. I suppose I'd always had an interest in the bands. And here was an opportunity now to work on not really the show band scene because it, it was gone by mm. then. But Dickie was still rolling on, doing great business. And uh, I discovered life on the road and discovered very quickly that I didn't like it. Hmm. Uh, I just found it tough. You need a certain mindset. Um, I think the problem was that in the bands in Dublin, even though I was doing it for a living, I was a full-time professional musician. Uh, There was no travelling involved, very little travelling involved. And the camaraderie and the fun was great. But when you go into a band on the road, it's a job, yeah. first and foremost. And, um, you know, I, I was never hugely settled into it, but I, but I didn't hate it mm-hmm. sufficiently to, to walk away or anything. Yeah. I would always have been the kind of person when, when you make a commitment to somebody to, to do a job, <clears throat> well, then you see it out as best you can and you yeah. do your best all the time. And the best parts were playing, you know. I mean, Dickie was was great to play with. Um, a wonderful showman, um, one of the best rock and roll singers uh, I've ever seen, and I've seen him from both sides, from the audience side and from being with him in a band, and just a, a great performer. And um, learned a lot in that few years on the road, but uh, always wanted an opportunity to stop yeah. as well, you know. Because I used to often, I, I used to do a bit of work around the show mm. band scene back in the day and that, and it always struck me when you met bands like yourselves, like Dickie's Band or whatever the case is, on the road, you know, we'd meet them in Chulm or someplace close by or Claire Morris, and you were just going home after the gig, but then they had to drive, we say like the champions, down back down to Cork, and you, you'd be thinking to yourself, how did they do this? How did they play a, a, a tough night's gig, you know, as it would be, and then go and have to go on the road and not get home until maybe, you know, five or six in the morning. Yeah, and they, they luckily enough, um, what kept them going was that they were hugely successful. Mm-hmm. And they were what we used to call a co-op band. In other words, I think there was seven, six in the band and a manager on, on a, a cut. So the manager got the cut. Uh, whoever looked after the money in the band um, took money away for expenses, for equipment and travelling and everything and they split yeah the balance six ways and that makes for a happy band sure you know yeah um, I was with Dickie and never had an issue over money we were very well paid mm-hmm. and very well looked after and in our travelling we didn't travel with the equipment um, so I, I remember Sunday evenings and one particular Sunday evening all my my pals from, from my youth uh, used to go for a drink in Hedigan's, uh, the Brian Baru in Glasnevin, on a Sunday evening. They'd assemble at seven o'clock. Now, I was never a drinker, but I'd drop down the odd Sunday if it was convenient. And the slag was, oh, here he is coming in the Sunday evening, the great road musician. You're not working tonight. And I'd say, I am actually, yeah. And they'd say, where are you? I'd say, we're in Galway. And they'd say, but, but it's, it's seven o'clock. What time are you on? Well, it's the sea point. You're not on till 12. And what time are you going to go? I said, we'll meet out of the West County at uh, quarter to nine. And they couldn't believe this because they never could understand the concept. If you get into a bandwagon and it went straight to the gig, there's no stopping in Kinnegad for tea and sandwiches or any of that carry on, which 
which normal people do. They yeah. plan out a route and, you know, there was no motorways then. So, um, but, you, but you could do that. Um, but you're right. The problem was that uh, when you finished at two, um, you hung around for a while and then you headed home. And in the summer months, it wasn't too bad because it was bright and you'd go to bed and have the inclination to get up, uh, you know, not too late. But in the wintertime, it's just dark. You went to bed and you probably got up when it was dark and headed off, you know, at four o'clock in the afternoon to somewhere else. Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again and think Doro. Doro phones are designed specially with the older person in mind. They're easy to use with louder sound and larger text. Plus numerous state-of-the-art features that don't compromise on performance or quality. To learn more about the full range of high-tech Doro phones, visit doro.ie. Doro phones. Make friends with innovation. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not subscribe to Senior Times? Visit the website at seniortimes.ie and like us on Facebook. But um, and it's a young man's game, and, and I mean young man's game. Yeah. You know, once... I, I saw fellas in their 30s and 40s when, when I was in it and um, they were worn out. Yeah. Absolutely worn out. And it took, it took its toll, Ron, on, on a lot of those guys in many ways, in fact. You know. Yeah, but it wasn't, it wasn't as, it was as wild as you, as you, as you let it be, if that proper English, you know. I mean, being with Dickie, we were a very structured band, you know. Uh, we travelled, um, we rarely stayed over, and when we did stay over, it wasn't a drinking band. Yeah. Dickie would buy the band a drink when we'd stay over. That's his reputation ruined, because Dickie was not, it was not the miserable old sod that people have often accused him of. He's far from that, yeah. you know. And um, so, so, but it was all a learning curve, you know, and... I think, you know, even now in my senior years, I'll be 70 this year. Um, I, I realised a long, long time ago that if you stop learning, stop doing it. You know, you have, to, yeah. you have to learn things all along, whether it's new information about something or a new way of doing something. Now, you learn about it. You don't necessarily have to do it. Yeah. But at least if you're aware of it, I think it helps to keep the mind fresh and keep the enthusiasm going, you know? I, I often do exactly the same kind of thing and I'm often picking up on projects or doing other things. And sometimes, Ron, I actually stop myself and saying, what am I doing with all this information at this mm. stage of my life? But I, st- I still can't stop doing it, you know? Mm. Well, you know, you'll never see a photograph of me reading a magazine or reading the internet about music and musicians. Um, I I don't know where I acquire the information that I do and I'm blessed with very good recall thank God you know what's your name again <laughs> but uh, I, I, I hope that, that that stays on because I, I the, the music that I play uh, um, most of it requested a lot of it suggested and a lot of it 
from myself as well. And and when I play it, sometimes it's the right thing to give a bit of information about the song or the people who wrote it or whatever. And uh, I'm very lucky I can do that and just recall the information. So I don't know what you're doing with your, your info, but my, mine is there waiting to be used and hopefully I can get it out for a while yet. You know? Let's take you forward to getting into... Uh, broadcasting and I, I suppose things kind of fell into place because as you were kind of winding down on the show band scene and that Pirate Radio was starting up at that stage in yeah. the late 70s and that and, and that's where you had your beginnings there. Yeah and you know I, I mean there's, there's some some of the some of the guys and girls look back on it and say that that was the pivotal time for them that that's really what made the difference. It, I didn't feel that at the time. I kind of felt like uh the pirate radio thing was uh, it was a bit of laugh and I would go in to Mountjoy Square and do a programme on, on ARD that was supposed to be five days a week but I couldn't do five days a week because I'd be heading away uh, but I did a fair bit and I enjoyed it and uh, I mean I ca- came across some remarkable people in those years um, <clears throat> colleagues who who, be- who became legitimate broadcasters but I remember in ARD like we had we had serious people in there. Uh, Pat Brennan, who went on to one of them big jobs in RTE in the newsroom, was there. Gene Kerrigan was there. Gene mm-hmm. Kerrigan wrote scripts for me. And uh, after all these years, I, my, my affinity and affection for Gene Kerrigan hasn't waned and there's no greater joy than the back of the Sunday into every Sunday yeah. uh, to read what, what Gene is on about. The most down-to-earth uh, extraordinary guy, extraordinary guy, and um, was was so proud of his his working class roots. You know, mm-hmm. Dublin's north side. I think he was from Cabra, um, and uh, you know, I was from across the bridge in in Fibsborough, which was, according to one of my school friends from Finglas, was real posh, had trees and all <laughs> on the street, but. Um, and, and, you know, I came across great people uh, like that. and um, But I wasn't looking at it as a means to an end. I just for the crack, you know. And uh, I'd go off and do my, my drumming gig with Dickie. But I was restless in Dickie's band and I was looking for a way out. Um, but I was young and married. And no kids, but I had a mortgage and I couldn't just step away from it, you know, um, from working with Dickie. And funnily enough, we were doing a TV show. Dickie was recording three TV specials in RTE television. And I came out for a stroll at lunchtime one of the days. And I was passing by the radio building, which we're in now. And I met somebody who said, are you going in for an audition for the new radio station? And I said, no, I didn't know anything about it. I said, you should go in. Just, just walk in. They'll give you an audition. So, so I, brass neck and all, <coughs> walked in up to the desk, one of the lovely receptionists, and I said, I'm looking for an audition for the new radio station. And she said, what's your name? And I said, Ronan Collins. And she said, oh, yeah, you're on the list. And I didn't know who put me on a list. And then this man appeared, big burly man, and he says, what do you want? And I said, um, I'm in for an audition. Who are you? And I said, Ronan Collins. Well, you're the fellow off ARD. OK, can you come back tomorrow at one o'clock? And I said, yeah, OK. 
So I came back the following day and I came down here, could well have been this studio or the one next door, and I did an audition. I, I, I said, that wasn't This Is, on a few records. And then I was told, uh, come back again and bring in some uh, records that you like yourself, that you like to play, you know, a bit about. So I came in and I embellished it a bit more. And then I had an interview with uh, Billy Wall, who was the head of Radio 2, and Louis Hogan, who was a senior producer, and uh, Cahill McCabe, who was a senior producer, and names that I, I knew from listening to Radio Aaron, as it was, it hadn't become RTE Radio 1 yet. And um, and one man who was pivotal in the whole thing, Bill O'Donovan. And uh, I, I did my audition and my interview, and then I was called back for a final interview. And it was very formal, RTE, you know, and they wanted to know about you and your family and all this carry on. And, uh, and I got through that, and I remember... Uh, Bill asking me um, just towards the end of that interview, Bill O'Donovan said to me, he said, what drives you? And I said, um, music. I said, music's really all all I care about, whether I'm talking about it, um, playing, performing, uh, listening to it. I said, you know, if I hadn't got that, I don't know what I'd have. And uh, that that was pivotal in, in getting the yes. job. Because uh, I had an enthusiasm for it, and then, um, <clears throat> and then it started, you know. And the first year of Radio Two, I don't care what anybody tells you, it was a disaster. <laughs> Nobody knew what they were doing or where they were going, and that applies to RTE just as much to those those of us who were on the air. And we were on the air with Vincent Hanley, who was established. Um, Brendan Balfe was on. Um, Arthur Murphy had a program and and these were senior people with great radio voices and suddenly there were 10 or 12 of us in here um, who had no sense of the discipline that was required uh, and had ideas beyond our station that oh we were pirates and we do it this way and we do it that way but the funny thing was that was allowed to yes. happen you know and after about a year, I think they kind of said, oh, hold on a minute, <laughs> you know, we better look at this. And I was on the yeah. afternoons and they started to kind of tweak it and change things around. And I remember they'd let one of the lads go. Uh, word came out that they'd let one of the lads go, uh, who's still broadcasting successfully to this day. And that was Declan Meehan, mm -hmm. who'd done the breakfast show. Yeah. And... Um, I don't know what happened, but they they decided that uh, Declan wasn't the man for that. And uh, word came out during the day that, that Declan had been let go. And I remember sitting in the studio, finishing my afternoon stint. So it's about five o'clock in the evening and uh, Louis Hogan comes in. And, uh, and, and, and Louis says, uh, <clears throat> I need to talk to you. And I said, uh, yeah. He said, yeah, it's, it's about the future. I said, oh, so I'm out the door, am I? No, you're not out the door, he says. <laughs> you're, no, you're not. He said, uh, we want you to do the breakfast show. Now, you know, I, I kind of immediately went, Jesus, the breakfast, oh God, five o'clock in the morning, yeah. getting up, you know, completely against anything I would have done over the previous 15 years, you know. Um. 
And I, I said, I'd have to think about it. I, I said, I don't know. So I went home to, to Woody. And at this stage, we had a five-month-old baby, Jessica. And um, was she five or was she one? Anyway, she was she was a baby. And uh, I told Woody that um, they were offering me the breakfast show and she said, what's the alternative? And I said, uh, probably less than five days a week and probably nothing at all. So she said, what do you think? Do you think you should do it? I said, well, if I want to stay working in radio, I said, it's a great opportunity because it's always been said in radio that if you work the early mornings successfully, the rest of the day looks after itself and they look for people to lead the thing in the mornings. I don't think I knew that at the time, but I realised that afterwards. So I took it on. Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations.